Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another mini-sode of Colton Classic Podcast. These are the short Friday episodes we bring you to tide you over until the next full episode on Tuesday, where we discuss two thematically linked movies, one mainstream and one cult. As always, I am your host, Nate Wyckoff, comedian and film critic for HorrorNews.net. I am uh, a little excited to bring you this episode on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate Christmas, and happy end of the year to everyone who doesn't. Um, I am uh, bringing you a little bit of frozen fear today with 1989's The Chilling. This is uh, often called a Linda Blair vehicle, uh, but that's not really accurate because um, the beautiful and talented Linda Blair really doesn't have anything to drive in this movie. She simply is in it. Um, this is one of those video rental fun trash films, for lack of better words. There's there's not really much to recommend this other than it is a... Uh, I'm really searching for the words here to do this film justice. It is the kind of thing that you would expect a movie called The Chilling featuring a reanimated zombie-ish corpse on the cover to be uh, nothing more, maybe a little less. Um, the reason is, is the script. The script is really odd. It, it is sort of written and also directed as though it is a daytime soap opera, but the characters don't have the passion of uh, the melodramatic flair that, that uh, daytime soap operas have. So it comes across as like a very by the numbers, almost uh, table read of, of a film rather than an actual film. Uh, but there are a bunch of ghouls that show up and it does have an interesting premise. And we're gonna talk about that. Uh, I wanna mention the, the directors of this are Dayland Noose and Jack A. Sunsuri. Now, the, Dayland Noose is interesting. They both only worked on a couple of films. Dayland Noose, uh, I, I should say, they only worked uh, on directing and writing a couple of films. Uh, Dayland Noose actually worked as an electrician and camera person and gaffer and all sorts of things on a whole bunch of films from the 80s on. But Noose wrote and directed two films that are centered around aliens making love to earth women. Uh, the first one was Gemini Encounters in 1995, and then again in Children of the X-Files in 2009. Now, I think if anyone in the cult world recognizes Dalen Noose's name not from this film, it's probably from Return of the Boogeyman, the sequel to Uli Lummel's uh, Boogeyman, where 
if anyone has seen it, it's mostly reused footage from the first Boogeyman. It is not a quality production, but sort of shovelware uh, to, to, to throw into the screen for people looking for uh, both a sequel and another killer movie uh, in that vein. So take from that what you will. Jack A. Suneri is uh, even less uh, active in the community. He produced three films in 1989. This was one of them, The Chilling, uh, and then The Dead Pit, and then the action film Deadlock. Uh, this is the only one that he co-directed and wrote, and uh, so who's to blame is anyone's question. Guy Messenger ghost wrote the script with Jack A. Suneri in this one, and uh, he wrote uh, some uh, television docu-series later on in his career as well. It's, it's mostly what he seemed to do. The cast has some talent. Uh, obviously, of course, we have Linda Blair, beautiful and talented, still acting, most famous for uh, playing the little girl Re uh, Regan in The Exorcist, but also Chained Heat, Savage Street, she played Brenda, Hell Knight. There's so many films uh, that as cult fanatics, we are grateful for Linda Blair being a part of and bringing to us. And as I said, she is a true acting talent, uh, master of the craft, and um, there's just n not too much um, can be said about her. And, and by that, I mean, you can't say enough. We also have Troy Donahue in this movie. Uh, Troy Donahue was in a whole host of uh, TV shows and films from the 70s on. I think probably I remember uh, Troy Donahue most from Deadly Prey in 87, uh, Cyclone in 87 also before this film, uh, but so, so many. Uh, he played a, a part in the Monsters TV series at one point. He was in 98's uh, TV movie Legion, all over the place. Shock and Dead in 91. Can't go wrong with Troy Donahue. Dan Haggerty is also in this film. Dan Haggerty, probably known most for Elves, uh, in 1989, he played Mike, the, the lead, and I'm going to say also the Abducted series from, from 86 and again in 95. Those are interesting films for VHS collectors as well, because they, especially the first Abducted, has a really great VHS cover from Prism. Now I'm going to say a little something about the print of The Chilling from 1989 that we reviewed. This is the DVD release, the quote-unquote director's cut. I'm not sure what was added to call it that. Um, it could have been any number of things, but there's a lot of scenes that could have been cut and would have been fine. And, but the transfer is very dark. This is, it feels like another direct VHS transfer. It doesn't, it's not remastered in any way. Um, if you can find an updated one, I'm not sure one exists at this point. I'm sure we'll get it at some point from one of the fine releasing uh, houses, if not, such as uh, Arrow or Vinegar Syndrome or uh, Blue Underground, anybody uh, is, is certainly possible to pick up this film because it would be nice to see it with crisper colors, uh, less muddy contrast, because uh, it is a dark film. Most of the action takes place at night. Uh, it is a film that seems to take place in, I guess it can't really take place in one day, but most of it takes place in a single day and goes from daytime to nighttime. So once the uh, finale and crescendo of action hits, it's really dark and hard to see a lot. So let's get into the plot of this movie because it does have a plot. And as I said, it is a really cool idea, I think. So there is a cryogenic freezing center and uh, they use an embalming type fluid to help preserve the bodies. And this fluid is very conductive. They repeat that over and over again. And what they mean by that is that uh, it 
attracts lightning and it makes a very good, I guess, channel for electricity, which would be what a conductor is. Now, what happens is, is during a very bad storm, the cryogenic uh, chambers lose power and lose backup power. So in order to keep them cold, the security guards start to take the chambers holding the people out into the out of doors where they are struck by lightning and this lightning uh, electrifies the bodies because they are such good conductors, it brings them back to life. Probably not, I'm gonna say this is not scientifically accurate, but hey, it's a movie about a killer walking frozen corpses, so I'm all for it. So with that in mind, what they uh, end up doing is uh, freezing the bodies again to, to stop them. Uh, that is the, the spoiler alert. That's what they do to, to stop the ending. It's not a spoiler alert. There's no twist or turn in this movie. Uh, and that is a-okay because that's not what it's about. Cryogenics is a really, really interesting topic to me because this is a real thing. I actually lived uh, for a while in Rancho Santa Margarita, California, and there is a company, I believe they're called Suspended Animation, and uh, this is kind of what they do. And uh, if anyone's interested in this, of course, what it is is uh, taking a dead body and uh, or a part of a body, like a head, and using modern technology to freeze them with the hopes that later on in the future, we will have the technology to essentially revive them. So either uh, heal their damaged tissue, transfer their brain into a new body, all sorts of science fiction stuff. The problem from a technical level, as my understanding it is, is that you cannot currently freeze things without radically damaging the tissue. Think of an ice cube in a tray. If you put the water in the ice cube tray and put it in the freezer, it gets bigger when it's frozen, right? It becomes uh, cracked and it, it kind of pops out of the ice cube tray. Now, why does that happen? It's chemistry, folks. So the, the water expands as it freezes. That same thing happens to the moisture in your body parts when they freeze. What does it do when the moisture in your brain and in your veins and in your tissues expands? It busts apart the parts of tissue that are holding you together. So there is incredible damage to your body and tissues with freezing, no matter what you do. Now, could this be resolved in the future? Uh, sure, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. And as uh, the wonderful Tommy was so said when, when asked about the future, I don't know. I'm not Santa Claus. So what am I getting at? Cryogenics seems to be a pipe dream. However, it is a very popular pipe dream, especially among people who have a lot of money. And I understand it that there are still conventions uh, worldwide for people to get together, scientists, many, many of them, uh, people much more educated than I am, who discuss this and really think that this is pretty fascinating. I too think it's fascinating, even if a little bit unrealistic. So there's a lot of unnecessary plot pieces in this film, uh, mostly dealing with the fact that the doctor who heads this cryogenic lab into the chilling is selling body parts of people. So the idea being that he's making it so the people he's freezing can't possibly come back to life anyway, and he's lying to the family members who are having them frozen in hopes of future reviving. Uh, enter in one character who is, uh, has his wife and his son frozen here, and Linda Blair, who works at the facility and truly believes in the cause, and these two fall in love. It is unimportant. Um, mostly it is just a way to get the plot more bodies to be attacked by the zombies.
that come forth from the cryogenics chambers. Now, as far as sets go, we have a fun basic set. It's a big warehouse for the most part. There are a couple of other ancillary sets, but that's, again, unimportant. Most of it takes place at this warehouse, and we have these nicely made cryogenic chambers. I don't know what they were originally used for or if they are somehow actual cryogenic chambers, but it's fun to look at, and they do add a little bit of realism in that the bodies aren't just empty, you know, just, just staring out of the glass of the chamber. They're in some sort of like tarp or body bag and there's fluids involved. So, hey, I believe it. Where the film breaks down is in pacing and characterization. The dialogue is stilted and weird. The pacing is just uh, unmotivated. And the characters all have backstories that are very flat, as I said, often revolve around unnecessary plot points. And like the, the crooked worker who is helping harvest organs, who's having an affair with another staff member. Just none of it matters. Um, we do, though, have really great uh, scenes with uh, Dan Haggerty, who plays Vince, the head security guard. Um, and uh, I guess... I don't know how to describe his character except as Dan Haggerty. He's likable, he's jovial, he has the best lines. Uh, the, the one scene really, the one main scene in the beginning that he has with Linda Blair is the most natural, they have good chemistry. And here's a spoiler, he saves the dog at the end. That is such a treat in a movie like this where there is a dog, it disappears, and then the dog is safe at the end. This movie does have a bit of a happy ending. Uh, certainly people die, so not happy for everyone, but the bad guys get their comeuppance and uh, most of the people that you remotely care about come out unscathed, except for the psychological damage. So this is a fun little throw-in movie. As I said, the DVD transfer is pretty bad. I really hope we get a, a, a new transfer of this. And if there already is one and I'm not aware, write in coltonclassicpodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to correct that and pick up a copy for myself. You could do worse for, um, you know, dollar bin rental fare from the 80s uh, because it does have some nice creature effects. They have some nice zombie costumes. There's some fun little thriller music video-esque glowing eyes here and there. Uh, and I, my favorite part of the movie is actually the postscript. There is a postscript for many of the surviving characters, and it's just fun to see what they decided these characters should do in the future. The last time I, I saw a postscript like this was with the uh, puppet film. Um, I believe it was uh, they, they Came From Uranus, something like that. Uh, you can check through our back catalog and listen to that Everybody Loves Puppets episode to get more on that. But I always enjoy these because sometimes they're just bonkers. And leaving the viewer with this bonkers future that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie is kind of mystifying and entertaining to me. So give this a watch if you like. Do not expect high cinema. Do not expect excellent cinematography. And do not expect excellent writing. But it's fun to see the beautiful and talented Linda Blair, Dan Haggerty, Troy Donahue, and zombies. Also, it's one of the few movies that really deals at all with cryogenics. And there is a little introduction um, narration and text that talks about the realism of the film and cryogenics. And I will tell you that that is not uh, really appropriate at all. 
If you like the idea of funky, weird stuff with cryogenics, I also really suggest you check out uh, an old episode of This American Life that is a radio show on National Public Radio here in the US, hosted by Ira Glass. There's a story by Sam Shaw called You're Cold as Ice. Uh, I believe it is episode 354, but you can check that out. It is incredibly fascinating, and it is all about the failure of a cryogenics lab to keep the bodies cold and the uh, insane lengths they went to to hide it from the families and the public. Totally wild stuff. And this is in the 60s, so um, cryogenics, of course, was really big buzz at the time. You still hear stories of Walt Disney's head being cryogenically frozen, which may or may not be true. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this Minnesota of Colton Classic podcast where we review 1989's The Chilling with Linda Blair and Troy Donahue and Dan Haggerty. To play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. Recommend us to your friends and uh, send us emails. Either follow us uh, or actually and follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. And you can see our website at coltonclassicpodcast.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. But what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.